podcast ain't played nobody. We can't possibly, in good faith, encourage people to listen to a college football podcast three odd hours a week and then tell them two weeks in a row you don't have to actually watch the football parts until, you know, but for three hours on Saturday. We can't do that, right? Well, of course not. Well, we kind of have to. We're going to jump straight into the tasty menu in a second, but um, lackluster? Sort of, yeah. There is an awesome early game. There is a lot of morbid curiosity at 2.30, and then the evening slate is too loaded and should be spread out more. Yeah. Okay. All right. This is Podcast Ain't Play Nobody. It's a college football marriage of numbers and words. That's the robot Bill Connolly. You can reach him at underscore ah, at SBN underscore Bill C. He's the inventor and proprietor of the S&P Plus analytics system. He's the author of multiple books. My name is Stephen Godfrey. I occasionally write words and do YouTube things. Uh, you can find me at 38Godfrey. I never come up with a self-deprecating enough um, completion to that joke. It's always like, Bill, super accomplished, meme, meh. And then I can never really nail that joke. Um, I did Wharton Moneyball as we record this. Um, it's always bizarre to me because um, they're so, so smart. And I was literally laughing to myself about failing all those math classes. So... <laughs> Um, this is the second of a back-to-back taping. We're a little punchy right now. <laughs> yes. A little punchy, little Sudafetti. Um, always <clears throat> fun to buy Sudafed in Tennessee, by the way. Tasting yeah, menu Missouri, first. Missouri is no different. Yeah, that's true. That's Missouri true. is the home of meth, so. Meth ain't played nobody. <laughs> um, so, uh, tasting menu first. All right. Some mm-hmm. questions, and then Bill, tell us what we're going to get on the end. Uh, well, first, we're going to get an advertisement that I didn't tell you about. And Whoa! then, yeah, I, do, I remembered. And then, um, I, I hope we can do a little more of this because it worked out really well. But uh, at the end of August, I went to uh, a conference in Las Vegas, the International Sports Betting Conference, as I mentioned at the time. Uh, while I was in Vegas, I got there a day early so I could, you know, just kind of get reacquainted. And I also went out to UNLV and I talked to Tony Sanchez, the UNLV head coach. Uh, he is awesome. Uh, I really hope that he can continue to build there because he's got the right idea and they've actually figured out how to put some money together uh, and maybe do things right. And I'm hoping it all works out really well. Uh, but you will hear from him at the end of the program. We spoke for 20 minutes and uh, once more, he's great. Tasting menu time. Thursday, guess what? It sucks. <laughs> it's, it's really bad. I don't I mean, what, what are we doing here, guys? It's just North Carolina at Miami. It's on ESPN at 7 p.m. South Carolina State, North Carolina A&T might be pretty good. Um, no, no, I'm still mad about this. You guys got to do better. You guys got to do better. <sighs> All-time central because that's God's time zone, as we say. Uh, Friday, September 28th, UCLA's at Colorado at 8 p.m. on FS1. Memphis is at Tulane at 7 p.m. on ESPN2. Princeton at Columbia at – wait, at 5? Okay. Was there another hurricane or something? Um can we effectively uh, steer people away from UCLA, Colorado, and to Memphis, Tulane? I think we can. Well, it's harder to do because Tulane has decided it wants to have a bad offense this year. Yeesh. Um, this has been – I mean, we obviously we love Willie Fritz. This is a, a, a pro-Willie Fritz uh, podcast. But they are 99th on, in offensive S&P Plus this year. They scored 17 against Wake, 24 against UAB, 6 against UAB – or Ohio State all in losses – yeah. Um, now, I mean, Wake Forest, Ohio State, those are power conference teams. That's fine. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be real, real tough. They're one and three. They have two tight losses. They could easily be three and one right now, but it's going to be pretty hard for them to find five wins. Uh, this was supposed to be the season where they take, where they break through into uh, the postseason, and it's mm-hmm. not looking at the moment like that's going to happen. S&P Plus gives that a 7% chance at the moment. Let's move to Saturday. Let's go through the morning. Gird yourself. Arkansas is at Texas A&M, sort of, because it's that stupid Arlington game, uh, 11 o'clock on ESPN. These are all the 11 o'clock games. CBS Sports Network has Army going to Buffalo. That's a good game. Hell yeah. That's a good game, full stop. Um, ACC Regional Network Madness has Bowling Green going to Georgia Tech. Central (laughs) Michigan goes to Michigan State (laughs) on FS1. Indiana is at Rutgers on Big Ten Network. Uh, SEC Network has ULL going to Alabama. Oh, Oklahoma State goes to Kansas on FSN. 
that's not FS1, so I believe that's one of the Fox regionals. Check your listings. Yep. And ABC has Syracuse <laughs> going to Clemson. Sneaky good? Maybe. We'll talk about it in a second. Maybe. Maybe. Temple goes to Boston College on the U. ESPN2 has West Virginia at Texas Tech. And at 11.20 on that weird ACC thing, you have Virginia at NC State. Bill. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, okay, look. West Virginia-Texas Tech is a big game. West Virginia has been awesome this year. Texas Tech has been awesome since week one. I know, basically. but we got to cook up a side dish here. Uh, Virginia-NC State. Virginia is 3-1. and one. NC State's What about four, Syracuse at Clemson? I am less hopeful about that one. Uh, Syracuse, Syracuse offense just isn't any good. Like their defense has been uh, very effective and uh, their special teams are amazing. But this was, I was hoping this was the year that we'd see more from the offense. Uh, Eric Dungy remains his terrifying self. Tommy DeVito is still a redshirt freshman. Uh, they have a brand new receiving core uh, that has been pretty hit or miss. They just, I don't think they have enough. I understand they won last year, but um that was last year, and I don't necessarily. Uh, let's see, S and P has the. Oh God, S and P has this as Clemson by twenty five, and that, that's with Lawrence now starting. Which I mean, maybe you can catch uh, Lawrence. Uh, you know, true freshman first start. Looks like the backup. It looks like Kelly Bryant's transferring, so maybe that there's a little extra tension there because suddenly they don't have a backup. Uh, but. Mm. Yeah, I, I think Clemson handles this pretty easily. So I think, yeah. but no, uh, NC State and Virginia both have a lot to prove. Uh, NC State has been damn good this year, um, and you know, right, you know, we talk about how they can never quite cross the ten uh, win threshold, but they're only going to be underdogs potentially the rest of the year against Clemson. Uh, they could be favored in every single other remaining game. S and P has them only going eight and five, four because there are a lot of toss ups in there. But one of those relative toss ups is this weekend. If they beat Virginia and Boston College in the next two weeks, they have a serious shot at ten and two. Whew. All right, I guess. Maybe just eat the meat on that one, Paleo. All right, let's move to the afternoon. I don't really have much to add to that. Uh, Texas Tech West Virginia would be super fun. Just watch that. Yeah. Um. Okay. Goal line starts at 2. Shout out to Podcat. Still sucks. Uh, 2.30, ABC. Baylor at Oklahoma. CBS Sports Network has Cincinnati at UConn. Undefeated Cincinnati. Yeah. Uh, Florida State is at Louisville on ESPN2. The 11 Network, which we figured out what that was. Oh, wait. That's Lamar Nichols. I wasn't supposed to read that one out loud. <laughs> Whoops. Pittsburgh goes to UCF on ESPNU. Purdue goes to Nebraska on Big Ten Network. Rice is oh. at Wake Forest on the ACC rotating thing of death. CBS has Tennessee at Georgia. Oh. RIP. Uh, Texas goes to K-State on FS1. Um, man, watch him lose that game. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, three. I'm sorry, 3 o'clock on ESPN News. Nevada goes to Air Force. Uh, Southern Miss goes to Auburn on SEC Network. Tennessee State. Goes to Vanderbilt on SEC Network. Alternate, check your listings. Michigan Whew. Northwestern. We're now at 3.30, by the way. Michigan and Northwestern on on straight-up Fox. And Florida's at Mississippi. Oh, boop, boop, boop. We'll stop there. We'll, we'll start the evening at 5. Um, okay. I got, I got nothing. Um. <sighs> okay, here's what I got. I yeah. got pieces. This is like the this is the last forty five minutes that the Whole Foods hot bar is open and they haven't updated anything and you're <laughs> just like I'll just this is gonna get weird but um uh, every single one of these games could be double digit finishes okay I here here you go here you go I got can I interest you in an anxiety salad <laughs> nothing I like more okay anxiety salad is as such uh, Tennessee goes to K State I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna Texas. Sorry, Texas goes to K-State. I was looking at Tennessee right above it. Um, Texas goes to K-State. Tom? Yeah. No, this is... Tom? A, Tom? In terms of learning, we will learn Tom? something. Has Texas changed for the... Officially changed for the better, and has Kansas State officially changed for the worse? Don't if screw so, this up, if, Tom. If so, Texas wins this by 17 points. Um, but Kansas State always plays this best game against Texas. It's like one of the Bills, or not always, but almost always. It's one of the Bill Snyder rules, basically. Um, and Texas, you know, as I've said ad nauseum on this program, Texas plays like a top five team when it gets to be an underdog or it's a big game uh, mm -hmm. and plays like utter trash mm -hmm. almost all the time uh, when it's a favorite. 
And so Tom Herman has a chance. And I said Texas. I mean Tom Herman teams because going back to the Houston days, um, if he can motivate his team, if he can figure out how to motivate his team at Kansas State and at home against Baylor, like he obviously is able to against USC and TCU and whatnot, then then we're talking. But basically, this is a very bad Kansas State team. This is a really bad Kansas State team. Like I said on Sunday, they are officially ranked one spot lower than Kansas at the moment. I don't think that's going to hold up, but it might. Um, and this is their ch- this is their kind of their last chance to prove like no no we're still K State we started slow but we're still K State and I hope they do because I want at least one competitive game to watch it uh, in the two thirty range but okay. if it, it, it might not be competitive anxiety salad Florida State at Louisville. Somebody's going to be in some deep, deep trouble after this. And not firing. They're not firing Tiger in his first year. <laughs> Shut up. I just meant more of the conjecture. But Petrino, that relationship with Louisville changes to me because of everything that's happened on the administrative side at Louisville. This, right. you know, you're there for life attitude they had under Urich. I don't know. I don't know, Bill. Um, so that's one I would definitely watch for the more like, ooh, there might be a wreck here and no one's wearing a seatbelt. Hmm. Um, Purdue at Nebraska. This is a Purdue team that just, I mean, this is a Purdue, this is the post-Boston College Purdue team. Yeah. Could yeah. they go in there and beat Nebraska and just continue to extend this issue? Yeah. That's worth that's worth tuning in periodically. Yeah. So you flip between the three schools and or the three games and then you get you get something out of this. Tennessee at Georgia is going to be a snuff film, so don't watch that. Yeah, I mean, the only reason you're watching Tennessee Georgia, other than you like snuff films, is um, like it's funny. I, it's funnier when you say. <laughs> I still think that Tennessee's defense is pretty good, and so I'm curious how they hold up against an extremely SEC offense. Um, obviously this will be a test in a lot of ways. They're pr- relatively efficient. They get, when they, when they have a glitch, it's an 80 yard glitch and that might mm-hmm. destroy them against Georgia. Cause Georgia's real good at lulling you in and then, and then burning you deep. Um, but really I'm, 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 I, 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 since I see no possible way that Tennessee's offense keeps up any of my interest right now is just purely on how long the defense can, can make things kind of interesting or make Georgia work. Um, but eesh. Is it me or are there just not a lot of games this week? Oh, it's like 58. It seems weird. It seems light. All right, let's move into the dinner time. Yeah, I mean, I guess 58 um, means there are at least like 15, 20 a, teams on by. Yeah, it's just a lot of buys, I guess. Um, All right, we'll go from 5 to 9 central time. God's time zone. 5 o'clock on ESPN. Florida goes to Mississippi State. Hell yeah. Here's the problem. Yeah, here's the problem. We're about to have like five or six hell yes. And – you know why to you know why that is. Yeah. Blame stupid TV people. Uh Utah goes to Washington State on the Pac twelve network. Won't see a second of it. Uh I don't think I will either, but it's a good game. Yeah. Boise State goes I mean, to I, Wyoming. I know I won't because I, I don't have the option, but Yeah. Boise State goes to Wyoming at six o'clock on CBS Sports Network. Staying at six o'clock. Iowa State goes to TCU on ESPNU. Virginia Tech goes to Duke on ESPN two. Moving to six thirty. The big one right, what Ohio the hell State. Is this? What the hell's what? The the three games on at six thirty are the probably the three games I want to see most this week. This pisses yeah, me off. I mean, welcome to college football. Um, it didn't used to be like this. Whatever. Let me finish the thing. Uh, okay, six thirty. They really are probably the three best. Well, maybe not three best games of the week, but the three most interesting, at least in terms of what we talked about. Ohio State at Penn State on ABC, South Carolina, Kentucky on SEC Network, and Stanford at Notre Dame on NBC. Uh, Seven thirty is BYU at Washington on Fox. Keep an eye on that, man. Yeah, I, I think keep, we know what's going to happen, but keep an eye. And uh, speaking of snuff films, my alma eh. mater goes to LSU at 8.15. Um, I got eh. issues. I'm going to just throw this in because it is half my podcast. Um, I used to call this game the most, the best sporting event of the year, like in my opinion. My favorite sporting events. Um, I'm not going to go into the whole spiel. I'm married in the LSU family and da 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 all this. But like, it was for a time... Uh, my favorite sporting event like to do when I first met my wife and we were still dating. And even when we were married early on, like we would like have both families tailgate in the cities. And like, I love LSU's tailgate sometimes a lot more than, I mean, often a lot more than doing the Grove experience, which has become a headache and also kind of gross and cliche. But this game being this early in the season sucks. Um, obviously Ole Miss is on probation. They're going to get, murdered on defense I, and all I still, that. But I don't like, understand why we would think that, but go ahead. 
Really? LSU's right, offense is bad, and Ole Miss's offense is good. Like they're not going to win, but I don't understand. Ole like, Miss's uh, Ole Miss's defense is. I understand that's why they're going to um, lose, but they all win it. Like I, I don't. Like this is like L- a ten point game. LSU's going to score. LSU's probably going to score forty points, Bill. Uh, are we sure? Like, the, well, all right, we'll talk about it on Sunday. Uh, I mean, sure, maybe, but I don't understand why we're assuming they only scored thirty-one against Southeast Louisiana. They scored. I'm just and griping I, and, because look, I'm griping. I'm griping now because of the game. I don't care about the game. In, in recent years, what I was trying to get at is that I cared more about like just the yeah the, the environment, the atmosphere. But like, dude, September, come on, man. Yeah, no, it dude, should be dude, the, the SEC Saturday scheduling is. Look, the SEC scheduling has sucked flat out. And I, let me, I'm going to bring up another thing. I know we're in the middle of the tasting menu, but this just popped up on Twitter when I was traveling this week. Dan Mullen had a bunch of really nice quotes about playing at Tennessee in the environment because they packed that thing out for at least like a quarter last week. Bill, that was Dan Mullen's first time to Tennessee. Huh. He's been a head coach in the <laughs> SEC since 2009. Don't you like y'all? Is it not time to look at the scheduling and, Pods. and Jesus? Pods, you play every everyone home and away within four years. <laughs> Dan Mullen, Dan, one more time. Dan Mullen has coached in the SEC since two thousand and nine, and two thousand and eighteen was his first time to Tennessee, and only because he took a job in the East. Jesus Christ, you're you you are hurting your product, you idiots. Yeah, they haven't played Mississippi State hasn't played Tennessee at all since twenty twelve. Uh. This yeah, two thousand eight. Two thousand eight was the last time they played at Tennessee. Dumb. Ole Miss and, LSU is supposed to be played at Halloween <laughs> or later. They should just put it on Halloween. But yeah. I don't know why they they do. And Auburn, look, there's a bunch of people I talk to, and they all everybody has a quibble right now of the OG SEC schools. And I'm not excluding A and M and and Missouri to be a dick. It's just that you guys haven't had enough time to establish like the rhythms and the seasons right. and like you know we've been doing this for ten years. Da da da. Like everybody has a quibble in that crew. Even South Carolina and Arkansas haven't been in, but for twenty some odd years. Like they've got to fix some of this stuff, man. It's so stupid. And I used to like. I know I'm just like a, a machine, like pods, 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 pods. But I, I'm only like that because it is an infinitely better idea, and it could be implemented easily. I get that no one was dying to see Mississippi State go to Knoxville. Well, sure. But it's not a conference. I mean, that's, you know, the, like I always bring up the joke about LSU. Missouri played at LSU two years ago, and which was awesome, and time, timed when Missouri had its, you know, massive lull. And then they play, they host LSU in, like, I don't know, 2086 or something like that. Like, they, they're going to play LSU twice every, like, 12 years. And that sucks. I mean, it's so stupid. And, and, and it sucks because there's a better way. Like, if there wasn't a better solution, whatever. But there is a better solution. It's so funny, too, because a lot of SEC schools, you know what, they, they tell me, the fan bases are like, you know, we hate Ole Miss because they get that rotation with Vanderbilt because it's usually a good, well, not to Ole Miss, but to schools like Auburn and better schools in football, they're like, hey, we could get we could rotate in and get get a better win at Vandy, but also get a trip to Nashville more often because yeah. you know, they want to come in and make a weekend of it. And, you know, Alabama, Auburn, LSU, they don't get that, but so often. I think LSU comes in next year in 19, and they haven't been since – I want to say either 10 or 11. I was at that game. Alabama so just, plays Auburn, LSU, Tennessee every year. Arkansas plays Missouri, Ole Miss, A&M. LSU plays Alabama, Ole Miss, A&M. Missouri plays Arkansas, Kentucky, A&M. So stupid. So, like, this would be so easy. Vanderbilt plays Kentucky, South Carolina, Tennessee. Blah, 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 blah. You, you rotate in, it, without having to move to nine-game conference schedules. You can play everybody home and away within four years. This, and, this, I, and I'm a Missouri fan. Like that, that would, This wouldn't do my team no favors. So it's not like, you know – like I mean, obviously Missouri's got it better than A and M right now, being in the East, but it's still not a conference. And this is a way to make it a conference, anyway. People are rushing to pick holes about like, oh, you're secretly biased, you're secretly a Rebel fan. I'm not, but I will say this: that game, because of like the familial structure for me, was always really important. It was, um, and it really wasn't about winning or losing because some of my best memories were about LSU, were games or times in which LSU, you know, destroyed Ole Miss. It's just that to me, it's like the coolest game. It's like, you know, you we talk on the show about, uh, you know, the helmets on the field and that kind of stuff. Like th- this portion of the world that I spent a lot of my formidable years in, like to see the Ole Miss and LSU uniforms in the field together, like that's that's what it's about. Like that was the college football essence to me. That's what's, <laughs> you know, it makes me think about uh, it never rains in Tiger Stadium and like, right. you know, Billy Cannon and, uh, you know, it makes me think about Archie Manning and, and 
crap that I usually don't even care about. It's just like there's a history and an importance and, and like a, a permanence there. And it's one of the many, many games. And I and y'all y'all listening, please hit me with the other ones let, that don't get the kind of service that they deserve in the SEC. And I know every fan base has one or two where they're like, why are we like, why is this like this? Um, so hit me up. And also, if you are a Missouri A&M fan, you're desperately striving to create something like this, you know? I don't think playing Arkansas in Jerry World, which was a deal that was done before A&M was annexed. Um, <laughs> annexed is not the right word, but it's funny. Um, before before any of that happened, they, they had already done that deal because Jones put it together. But, like, that's not really going to cut it, you know? I, I don't know. LSU doesn't want to play ball on doing permanent Thanksgiving. And I get that because at LSU, they just don't want to tailgate on Thanksgiving, you know? You got to find something, though. I don't know. It's frustrating. Yeah, I mean, Missouri's, you know, the Arkansas thing is going pretty well just in that they the played. The Black Friday part to me is cool. I don't it's, know if do you that disagree. That and 21-14 in 2014, 28-24 um, in 2016, 48-45 last year. Like, three of the four games have been close. The the Gary Pinkle, no offense. Gary Pinkle's about to retire a year where Arkansas drubbed Missouri, and even I didn't really watch all that closely. Like, that was one. But three of the four games have been really, really, really good. Um, and that's some, all you can you hope for. That's how you she- develop a tradition, yeah. You need something choppy off field to get that going, though. <laughs> but I'm serious. Like, you need a Missouri Kansas type thing to well, get, had, to get Missouri had the Arkansas Mike Anderson, going. They've had Mike Anderson, who left Missouri for Arkansas in basketball, and they had the Doriel Green Beckham recruitment. So I thought things were going really, really well there, but it's kind of dried up a little bit. Interesting. Um, it's, yeah. We killed the segment, but yeah. it just it, it it does suck and it's stupid. Um, that 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 are on eight fifteen is not because I know LSU wants that night home game. I think it's a good atmosphere. Yeah. Um, okay. I don't even know if you can do it. Eat everything. Yeah, get the DVR going because this is absolutely ridiculous. There is nothing at two thirty. Uh, but you'll only be able to watch the first half of Florida Mississippi State before bigger. Dude, stuff I comes. could sell you Florida Mississippi State, Utah Washington State, and and uh, maybe even Iowa State at TCU yeah. as the one, two, three for the other segments this week. Stupid. Let's yeah, make sure. I just realized Let's... that. So, so literally, you have like three meals in one here. I think those three games that I just listed, which are not Ohio State, Penn State, or Stanford, Notre Dame, South Carolina, Kentucky, I think those those numbers four through six are better than one through three, with the only exception of the day being the Texas Tech-West Virginia yeah. game. Yeah, no, you could make a legitimate case that like nine of the best ten games are on at the same time. That's that's and awesome. That's a real good way to showcase your sport. Well done. Don't guys. don't at me about ratings. I understand why they do it, but it it does suck, man. It really sucks for it sucks not just for us because I don't we don't want any sympathy from the media or, or as media. It sucks for y'all too because I know a bunch of y'all are at home like you're grilling, you're watching. The other thing is this: if you're a, if you're a Penn State or Ohio State fan listening to this. Or if you're any of the fan, I mean, any of the schools here, you're locked into your game, yeah. but you're not getting to experience. Like, if you think about that, you're a Penn State fan and you're not in Happy Valley and you get like, you're, but you're going to watch that game tonight. And then throughout the day, like, w- without the option, because I get it, if it's your team playing, you're not going to be like, hey, hey, let's flip over and see Stanford Notre Dame for two <coughs> drives or whatever. Like, you're locked into your deal. You're going to miss the bulk of the week. Yeah. Flat out, you're going to miss it. It's so stupid. Yeah, and I'll be um, probably, I'm assuming, probably live blogging Ohio State, Penn State. So I'll have to DVR like four games. And I mean, we just spent, like, everybody just spent the last week talking about, like, um, hey, Kentucky, man, you need to watch Kentucky. They're pretty interesting. Nobody's going to see Kentucky play this week because yeah. they're playing at the same time as two, the two national title games, the two national title contention games. Well, you know what? The real bullshit here is this, Bill. CBS has first pick. Yeah. No, 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 no. Kentucky, South yeah. Carolina is a better football game than yeah. Tennessee, and, Georgia. And I realize, you know, helmet-wise it's not, and I realize that it, it we, we wouldn't have been trying to sell – well, I mean, we probably would have been trying to sell South Carolina, Kentucky over Georgia, Tennessee, but it, it, Kentucky wasn't the new – everybody loves Kentucky, Kentucky until, like, Sunday. So, you know, the, the times had been already set up and blah, 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 blah. But no, like this is this, uh, yet another week where Tennessee where, or where helmet games get precedence over um, good games. Yeah. Like Florida, Tennessee was, should not have been on ESPN last week. That was a joke. Uh, Georgia, Tennessee should not be on CBS this week. That's a joke. Moving on. <laughs> Slowly. I'm horse and cranky. Right, man, I know. I feel you. Um Here's your nightcap. It's pretty thin. Uh, starting at 9 o'clock Central Time, God's time zone, Arizona, uh, Arizona State hosts Oregon State on Pac-12 Network. Oregon goes to Cal at 9.30 on FS1. Fresno State hosts Toledo on ESPNU. And USC goes to Arizona on ESPN2. Crap, 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 crap. 
I mean, that's, I guess that's where I'll start to catch up on the DVR. No, actually, no. Um, Oregon Cal is the only thing I'm interested in. Cal is, if Oregon is hung over at all after the way last week's game ended, Cal has a very, very, very good defense. Not much of an offense. Um, but they're physical and they will try to push Oregon around if Oregon's not ready for it. And that could be, that's a really nice opportunity for Cal to make a statement since everybody kind of understands despite the collapse last week, Oregon's pretty good. And now Cal has a pretty clean shot at them uh, to try to make a little statement win of their own Uh, best game of this bunch is Toledo Fresno. And I'm not sure it's close. Uh, Fresno state is very good. Toledo is very good. They're two um, each among easily the top 10 mid majors right now. Um, and you know, they got a showcase where you don't really have to watch any of these other games. You, you know, USC Arizona is more attractive than it was because both of them have improved. Oh, well, they improved last week anyway, but Toledo Fresno is probably the most high quality game on the board. Uh, over in the bargain bin, um, these are all the games that don't have attachments to actual networks. So your ESPN pluses and threes and things like that stadium, et cetera. Um, it's, yeah, you know, Arkansas States at Georgia Southern at 5 PM on ESPN plus, um, Let's see. There's one or two I picked out here. Coastal Carolina goes to Troy. Troy's still rolling. That's 2.30 on ESPN3, so you might as well watch that. There's nothing else on. Um, eh. ULM at Georgia State. ULM's good. They're at 1 o'clock on ESPN+. I mean, I, we should really pick out more of these just because the actual week is so bad. Uh, here's a legit one on BN. This is not available <laughs> on DirecTV. Our friends at LSU, uh, LSUfootball.net slash TV schedule tell us. So the, uh, Louisiana Tech goes to North Texas at, at 6.30. Awesome. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Man, Bill's, Bill mad? Um, mm, all right. I got to say this because I'm parent, uh, I inadvertently have flipped my pronunciation as a mocking thing that I actually then I started saying Appalachian State. Oh. I've been saying Appalachian State. Appalachia State. And you can say app, but not appy. And shout yeah. out to Hugh Kellenberger, a friend of mine mm-hmm. uh, who works in the media, who's a uh, graduate of App. You can say App, you can say App State, you can't say Appy, and you can't say Appy State, and you can't go Long A in Appalachia. You have to say Appalachian, which I think is a specific Appalachian thing, because in the lower south, they would lay out that A. Oh, yeah. They love those laid out A's. Uh, I just found, by the way, the best game at 2.30. Well, yeah. Uh, on ESPN Plus or NBC North Dakota. Uh, if, you know, if you get that channel, uh, South Dakota state travels to North Dakota state. There's your game of the week at two 30. You're not wrong. Are you? No, I'm really not wrong. All right. Mm, mm, mm. All right. Let's, uh, let's get some questions. Let's clean up our, uh, the end of our charity drive. And then we got to get out of here. We're going to leave you with Bill's interview with UNLV head coach, uh, Tony Sanchez. Hang on one second, Bill. All right. We only have a handful of questions left. Um, you ready? Let's do it. I don't think anybody's going to challenge you the way they did last episode, but I haven't looked at all of them, all right? Taylor Smith. I like this one. Two of the four uh, dominant college football programs, Alabama and Clemson, are using some degree of a two-quarterback system. I might add that he sent this email on September 19th, and that as we yeah. record this, Kelly Bryant has left Clemson. The it's- other two... Ohio State and UGA are giving some non-garbage time to younger athletic quarterbacks. Is this coincidence? Result of these four programs stockpiling insane yeah. amount, sane amount of talent? An attempt to keep guys around in the face of loose and redshirt and grad transfer rules? Or the boring a little bit all the uh, a little bit of all of the above? Thanks well, to sir. you and the robot for slinging that great CFB tent. You abbreviated tent <laughs> content. Um, Taylor, it's boring. It's a little bit of all of the above. It is one hundred percent. It is one hundred percent influenced by the way that these programs recruit, obviously, and how successful they are. Um, it is also, I think, to stave off uh, the new transfer stuff, as you're seeing with Kelly Bryant. Um, this year, it happened to be a coincidence, just because of the way starters cycled in and out at some of these major programs. Um, right. however, do I, I do think if we're looking to create a talking point out of this, that it's a trend and you'll see more of it moving forward. I absolutely think that. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know how things play out for sure, but I mean, I do think there is definitely a stockpiling aspect here just in that, like these, these are the teams that are by far, um, 
signing the good recruits and it just so happened that it, it is unique at least that their quarterback situations are this good. Uh, that's not always going to be the case, obviously, but the fact that, you know, Jalen Hurts is 27 and two or whatever as a starter, but he's clearly Alabama's second best quarterback. Kelly Bryant um, has lost like one game as Clemson's starter, but he, at this point it's become, it's it became pretty clear uh, that he was Clemson's second best quarterback. There is, this is a rare situation. Jake Fromm is awesome, but Justin Fields was the best quarterback in on the in the high school planet last year. Um, it is unique, but it's still uh, more than anything. It's a product of just ridiculous recruiting, and it just happened to impact the quarterback position. Uh, Mark Warhatch, uh, you ready for a Sabanor? This is a paid for Sabanor. It's for okay. charity, so let's roll out one more Sabanor. National titles by Saban at Bama by the time he's done or national titles by SEC schools during those same years if he had stayed in the NFL. Yeah. Thanks, guys, and keep up the great work, Mark. Oh, it's a tough one. Yeah, and, and it's really um, – like that could, be, that could be just as good as a, like a backwards-facing question as a, as a forward-facing question. Like mm-hmm. how many in the, in the last X number of years, in the last decade? Let's do that. Okay. No, or, or, or no, actually, let's do the future. Maybe I don't know. Future, I, I, I think, is under because Georgia, Georgia is clearly a national title caliber program at the moment. Auburn could eke one out, um, but it would be maybe if we're, we, you know, we always think of this as a two or three kind of thing. I'm not convinced. I'm definitely not convinced that the SEC would win more without uh, Saban. Um, but I'm only semi convinced they could get to two or three. So I would say under, or I'd say, I think, Saban, it's, I, I think it's less because of a couple of particular years where I think that someone like Ohio state or someone like the Texas year, uh, Oh nine. Right. Um, I'm thinking of not the Notre Dame years Cause I think a lot of teams would have maybe not shut them out, but I, right. I mean, um, Then you have, I mean, the problem is you have Alabama playing LSU and Georgia in national championship games. Right. So, like, looking back at the years where they won in 2009, if Alabama didn't exist, you know, Florida, I guess, makes the national title game there because they probably win the SEC title game. They probably play Texas um, and they quite possibly win. Uh, Texas was very, very good, but uh, they, they have a pretty good shot at that one. 2011, I mean, if Alabama don't win the national title, LSU does. Um, I know OSU fans are convinced they would have had a chance, they would have had a chance, but LSU was probably better. Um, 2012, depending on how things play out, Georgia was probably, it was quite possibly the second best team in the country at the end of the year. Uh, and they have a very good chance if they managed to get in that game, and I think they probably would have because they would have been playing, you know, Auburn, or I guess, or something in the... Uh, Oh, no, 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 no. In 2012, they wouldn't have been playing Auburn. Uh, whoever they would have been playing from the West that year, um, they would have had a very good chance. A&M, maybe. They would have been, maybe been playing A&M, in which case A&M maybe makes the national title game. Uh, anyway, blah, 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 blah. They probably don't win as many without Saban, but they have a I think a I'm going Saban. Shot. I, I have, it's Saban, but it's close. It's a good question. Dylan Hill. Hey, all love the show. Wanted to give you guys some content for your weekly Wisconsin segment. We've kind of been slacking. And we didn't get a chance because we didn't do a recap show this week with scheduling to, to talk about that Iowa win. Um, for a while, the Badgers have uh, around the top 15 in S&P Plus on recruiting rankings between 30th and 40th. I think that was an incomplete sentence. Do you understand what he's saying? No, say that again. For a while, the Badgers have, I think he means finished yeah. around okay, the top yeah, yeah, 15 yeah. in S&P Plus on recruiting rankings between 30th and 40th. Do you feel that regression to a 30th, 40th ranking in S&P Plus is inevitable, or do you feel that this develop them up model is sustainable? Is there a way for Wisconsin to improve its recruiting rankings? Hope this doesn't come off as worrying. The last two seasons have been fun as hell. Just wondering where our station is. Um, Dylan, I think... Let's piss butt off. Um, I think Wisconsin is a little immune to this. Yeah, the culture, a little bit. it takes a long time to build the type of culture that would, can kind of overcome that consistently, but Wisconsin's done it. Yeah. Um, so it's funny, yeah. it's like every year that goes by where they're like this, just this effective of like regular and good, and you know, they lost to BYU, but it happens. Or lost to BYU, I'm sorry. Um, I have more faith in Alvarez and less criticism of his meddling ha. because it's obvious. I mean, look, it's just obvious he's built out a consistent structure. Yep. 
And consistency is one of those things that that's a cliche. We don't lean on hard enough, you know, um, Dylan, you're never, the problem is it's Wisconsin. So you're never going to have the multi five-star pull that some of the warm weather schools are going to have come February. And so, so in those numbers on like two, four, seven and rivals and stuff, it's never going to, I don't even think you have a shot, but I don't think you should worry about it either. Definitely don't worry about it because you don't have, you know, Florida State and Alabama on your schedule every year. Yeah. You get the West. Yeah. Like that over the summer when, um, when, when we were bored and tried to make something of Oklahoma State's AD, uh, complaining and eviscerating Mike Gundy about his recruiting and not going after bigger uh, prospects. Um, there, there's, there's this other thing you have to worry about with the Oklahoma States and the Wisconsin's of the world in that, like, you, part of that program is built on having chips on your shoulder, part of that and, and a lack of entitlement and all the things that you can kind of build on in that regard. Um, obviously, recruiting better uh, recruits is a great idea on paper, but I know OSU had problems for a little while, a, a few years ago now, where they were kind of getting some more four stars. I can think of a few right off the top of my head who just who, – who never – who were quickly off the team or who just never came close to living up to their rating. It's almost like you've got a program that is built for a specific type of recruited end. When you try to mix and match, when you try to improve the caliber of your recruits, like maybe it works great, but it's not guaranteed to. Sometimes it means you end up with just a different type of culture and a different uh, priorities and different blah, 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 blah. It's not guaranteed to work. Sometimes you build a culture that is really good at taking three-star guys and making them play like four stars, but maybe you're not the best place for four-star kids. So it's, it really is a tricky thing. And I think that's what Mike Gundy started to understand. Like, you know, you, you get more headaches, the more good recruits you sign, uh, the more, you know, the higher your athleticism ceiling is, but the more headaches you got too sometimes. And I think probably Wisconsin is just as aware of that as anybody. Oh, that said, if last I checked their, their 2019 class, they got an early commit from a four-star quarterback. Uh, let's see here. How quickly they're going to be fine. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, there's a little, um, there's a discrepancy there, but I, I, it's not really that different than any other Wisconsin era, you know. Okay, actually, there. Or... Let's see. Yeah, I mean, right now, I think their class on average is a little better. They got a five-star lineman commit. They've got a four-star quarterback commit. Um, so you know, maybe we sort of see that coming up. But I do think like their program is built to maximize the type of recruits they already get. Last one, Bill. Okay, ready. I don't have a question or anything for the podcast. By the way, this name, this person's name is uh, Edward Sadowski. Okay. Edward says, I don't have a question or anything for the podcast. I just wanted to donate to the cause and follow up with a letter. This is the last donation, by the way. I've been listening to PAPN and reading your work for a few years now, and I wanted to thank you and Bill for everything that you've done to enrich my college football fan experience. I grew up in western New York, probably one of the country's regions least interested in college football. Um, I'll stop here and say that I usually spend at least a week or two a year um, in northern New York near Saratoga, and I can completely vouch for this, that when I meet people casually up there and tell them what I do, they just look at me funny. Rochester is, under, is an underrated city, by the way. Uh, never been. Just in general. Just I've been general. I've been to northern New York up on like the Vermont border, but I've never been to western New York. Um, I also went to a basketball school for college. It wasn't until I moved to Ohio to attend Xavier that college football really entered my sports consciousness. So let's pause there and appreciate what? that Xavier got him to appreciate college football. I like that. One of my first memories of watching college football is 15 guys huddled into a room anxiously watching Michael Crabtree catch a touchdown ah. to beat number one Texas. It was a pretty great moment. Uh, from that moment, I was hooked. Since then, I've been religiously watching on fall Saturdays, following along on Twitter, laughing at the shutdown full cast guys, wisecracks. Don't do that. Uh, however, I'm a bit of an outsider. I'm still a bit of an outsider. I'm not from the South, the Midwest, or Mid-Atlantic. Much of the history, culture, and personality of the major schools has been lost on me because I didn't grow up with it. That's where you, Bill, and the rest of the SB Nation have become such an invaluable piece of my sports fandom. Thank you. Uh, you've opened this entire world by educating me on all those integral pieces that I missed out on. You may sometimes feel like you're being repetitive, and this is Godfrey talking. I always feel like I'm being redundant. Uh, when you talk about the insecurities of Texas A&M or the Mississippi State Ole Miss culture class clash, but it is exactly that type of insight that I come to PAPN and SB Nation for. You and your colleagues have made my consumption of what has become my favorite sport all that more enjoyable, and I can't thank you enough. I look forward to reading your next piece, and I hope that you can maintain your love of the sport despite all of its flaws. Regard, Ed Sadowski. Thank you, Ed. 
Um, don't worry about not having a handle. <laughs> That's okay. I'm serious. Um, you're from Western New York, and uh, I always, you know, it, it comes, it waxes and wanes depending on the time of year. But I, I always get really into the NHL because I live so close to a, like a, a Stanley Cup contender, and I like the sport a lot. Like I like the pure, like the actual sport itself and the speed of it. Um, and I know that, you know, because I'm from the opposite side of the country, that it's really hard. Um, we don't have it in our casual conversation. We don't, you know, people don't talk about it in the grocery stores and churches and stuff like that, but, um, it doesn't stop me. And I don't think this should stop you at all. Uh, we are more than happy to be your ambassador. And, uh, I don't think that, you know, this, this touches on a key thing for me and it's a reason why I saved it for last. I mean, I, I, you look at our analytics more than I do. The bulk of our listeners come from the footprint, right? Right. Like Houston, Atlanta, that kind of stuff, right? Isn't that right? Birmingham. Birmingham, yeah, we get a lot of that. We get a lot of Chicago, a lot of Big Ten. Um, if you're out there listening and you're listening in, you know, Montana or Vermont, New Hampshire, I don't know. Amsterdam I don't I mean I, to me I'm more excited about you than I am the you know it, maybe it's is a bad thing but I take yeah you know, I take I take it for granted that I'm, we're gonna have 15 to 20 angry Auburn or A&M comments in in Reddit or you know Twitter or whatever and that's fine those are the people those those are the language that's the language we speak um that's our tribe but we you are just as just as much a part of this just because you don't have it you know in your community, if anything, I'm just always more impressed by those people. And it's why I get angry and I stump for Boise. It's why I get angry and I stump for Hawaii or, you know, it's why I think that I have no connection to Adazio or whatever, but like if BC has a good year, they should be considered on their merits and not, you know, people just shrug and go, Oh yeah, Boston college. That's not a football town. That's not a football, you know, college football town or whatever. I just, you know, I get fired up about Buffalo, and Bill gets fired up about Buffalo for a reason. Um, I think, I think anyone who doesn't have, um, I think, let me rephrase that. I think anyone with the passion that we have for this is stupid to not want to share the passion, right? Isn't that the whole point of this thing? <laughs> I grew that's... up evangelical. Maybe that's maybe that's where this is coming from. But I, I want to evangelize. Atlanta, D.C., New York. Dallas, Fort Worth, Chicago, Houston, L.A., Detroit, number eight, Philadelphia, San Francisco, uh, Seattle is number 11. Hell yeah. Uh, and to the one person in uh, Keokuk, or sorry, the two people in Keokuk, Iowa, who listened to us uh, in the Hell last 30 yeah. days. Appreciate you. Murder Smurfs. 14 from Banger, Maine. Wow. 12, Bill. 12 from Utica, New York. Where's Utica? Isn't that up north? It's all up north to me, baby. Anything above New York, anything above New York City is up north. Um, anything north of Charlotte is Yankee suspect, as my father says. Oh yeah, it's um, by Syracuse. It's by Syracuse, like halfway between. Okay, Syracuse yeah, and I just Albany. pulled it up on Google Maps. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I should mention Syracuse too. Um, thank you for listening. We'll we'll keep trying. That's what we want to do. Yep. Um, we'll keep uh, we'll keep doing what we do, and we'll, uh, and we'll go back to answering questions that weren't paid for. I would like to add, one, thank you to yes, everyone. And absolutely. two, if you groused about it a little too much, I <laughs> saw you, asshole. Okay? <laughs> I know who you are. Um, we didn't take the money ourselves. This is part of our job. Yes. If one day something were to happen and it wasn't part of our job, we would revisit the entire business concept of our podcast. But right now, we don't ask you guys for money to ever line our pockets. It's just it's just for charitable causes. And if you've been here from the beginning, this is our second kind of biggish one that we've done, maybe third. Um, we do them from time to time. And, um, you know, if you can shake loose 30 bucks, great. If not, we'll go back to rapid fire Reddit and Twitter questions um, as soon as we exit week five. So with that, Bill, uh, you can take us out with an intro. Yes. Slightly odd editing here. Yes. Um, t- uh, you, can, you can take us out uh, with a trip to Vegas. All right. So... Uh, yes, uh, about a month ago, right before the season started, it was during week zero. Uh, I spoke to Tony Sanchez about building at UNLV, about, about Las Vegas as an actual city, not just a strip. 
um, and, and, you know, about a lot of things and, you know, the Raiders and, uh, and New Mexico state, uh, and so on and so on. It was a fun interview and I appreciate him taking the time. Uh, but first we're going to go straight from here to an ad to the, the video or the audio, excuse me. Uh, the ad is for another Vox media podcast called the history of fun every week, uh, a new exploration of the hidden backstories behind the things you love to do from our good friends, our cousins, sisters, brothers, uh, at Polygon, our, our sister site, our cousins, uh, however you want to. Uh, Kissing cousins. There you go. Uh, the, the good folks at Polygon and their podcast, The History of Fun. Hey, I'm Russ Frustick, the host of the History of Fun podcast. Each week we explore the hidden backstories behind the things you love to do. For example, did you know the Neopets were led by high-ranking members of the Church of Scientology? Also, this kind of blew my mind. The original Mr. Potato Head was, wait for it, a real potato. If any of that sounds interesting to you, new episodes of the History of Fun are added every Monday. Listen now on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Some quick background on Tony Sanchez before we get to the interview. Uh, he is indeed UNLV's head coach. He has been since 2015. Uh, before that, he was a product of New Mexico State University. He uh, got his coaching start really mostly in the high school ranks uh, in the Las Cruces and El Paso area. Then in 2004, he became the head coach at San Ramon High School in California. Uh, he brought them to a couple of postseasons uh, in 2005 and 2007 and got the attention of Bishop Gorman High School. Uh, the Las Vegas powerhouse um, became a powerhouse in part because they hired Tony Sanchez. Uh, in six seasons of Bishop Gorman, the Gales, his Gales, went 15-0, 13-2, and 13-1, 13-2, 15-0, won the state all six years. Uh, pretty good. He went 85-5 and five there uh, and then moved uh, a few miles away uh, to take over at UNLV. So here is the interview. Again, this is right before the season started. Uh, this is my interview with Tony Sanchez. So you spent six years in Vegas before taking this job. Um, and so, I mean, you, I, I'm guessing you kind of knew what you were taking on before you were offered and, and you still took it on. Uh, what was, I mean, what was the motivation? What did you see in this program that you thought could, could really make it worth your while to, to make the move? Well, you know, and that, that's a great question. I, you know, I had lived here, and I, I had seen, you know, UNLV and UNLV football from the outside. Um, educated myself real quick on the resources that were currently here, you know, when I went through the interview process. And, you know, after just kind of thinking about it and really looking at, you know, some of the untapped resources that, that had never really been gone after, mm -hmm. I, I thought that we could engage a community. I thought in, you know, in a couple of years we could build a roster that would be competitive. And, and if we could get people to buy in to help us out, that we could build some facilities that would allow this program to, to move in, in, in the right direction. So, I, I, you know, a lot of it, too, is a leap of faith. I mean, right. I think when you take jobs like this, where a place where really no one's – I mean, we haven't had back-to-back -back winning seasons since Harvey Hyde, and no coach right. since him has had two winning seasons, you know. Um, well, at least since uh, the last, well, I think, 12 or 14 years or something like that. So it's a long time, you yeah. know. Uh, four teams have gone to bowl games in 50 years. Right. It's, um, so we haven't had a lot of success to speak about um, as of late. But, you know, I think if you believe in yourself and you've done about as much as you could, you know, at my former place, you know, when, when you're a high school coach and mm -hmm. you know, you've won, you know, as many games as we had and had that success, you, you want to challenge yourself to take on a new challenge. And UNLV has been every bit of that challenge. <laughs> Yeah, it's been, it is funny. I mean, thinking back to just last season with so many injuries, it still kind of continued the improved by one win each year, just like a building blocks kind of thing. But um, I mean, it def definitely seemed like, you know, with, with, with better luck on that front, you could have done more. And I'm assuming you're expecting quite a quite a bit bigger things this year in terms of um, just the overall output and improvement and whatnot. There's no doubt about it. You know, and you learn as you go through the process. You have an idea of what needs to be done and what you have to do to, to, to build success and sustain success. And, you know, and I, and I can speak to it a little bit more poignantly now having, you know, lived right. under it for a while. And we I think we've built a roster. And you're right. You know, each year we've gotten better. We mm -hmm. haven't, you know, regressed back to those two win seasons and things like that. Um, but I think we've built a roster that's going to allow us to have the depth that we need. Mm -hmm. We have more, you know, we're more explosive on offense. Uh, we're, I think we'll be better on special teams. And a lot of that is just keeping your head down and recruiting hard, you mm -hmm. know, redshirting guys, developing guys. 
when I look at the team this year, you know, coming into the season, there are so many guys that have experience on this team. Yeah. And, you know, they've been asked to do a whole lot when they were young and not really ready. You look at a guy like Nathan Jacobson who got thrown into the mix at a, as a 265-pound guy his freshman yeah. year because we didn't have anybody else. And Solanoa Wiley, who's a, who was a freshman, you know, and here he is playing D-line against Michigan, you know, right off, you know, yeah. right off a flight from Hawaii, you know, over here to Vegas. And was, those are tough deals. But now these guys are seniors. They've been through the ringer. They're, mm-hmm. they're, they're battle-tested. And there's a whole lot of guys like that that are going to help this program move forward. And the redshirt rule, you're you're looking forward to having that as an extra tool, I guess. I was telling him, like, I, I've never had a, a rule that everybody liked to react to. Yeah. Everybody likes it. It's, it's interesting. Well, you know, there's a lot of rules that you kind of scratch your head on. This one is is very player-centric. Yeah. Um, it makes a lot of sense. I think it's going to make games more competitive. You know, I even look at our own situations. You know, a couple of years ago, we had a situation. We were down to one quarterback. And you got a guy <laughs> like Armani who you're redshirting. Yeah. And could he help you, you know, later in the year get through the season and be more productive? Probably. You know, and a guy like uh, Justice Ola was shown last year, an offensive lineman. You know, mm-hmm. we were down two centers, down a couple of guys, and he's ready to go. But are you going to burn a redshirt for two right. games? So now I think it allows those kids to kind of have the carrot to get excited about it. And at the same time, it allows you to kind of sustain a, a better quality throughout the year. Yeah. And, and you inherited, obviously, I mean, an, an iffy depth situation and whatnot. But what, um, you know, besides just building depth in that regard, what has held. What, what in your mind has held you and LV back? Like now, now that you've been here for a while and you've yeah. experienced and everything, what has been the reason for so few winning seasons and whatnot? You know, um, when I got here, the one thing I saw was, you know, it, there was a definite lack of resources. Mm-hmm. I mean, every year when you're hearing, hey, you know, flat budget, flat budget, flat right. budget, you know, you look at what teams you're even competing against and what their off-the-field personnel looks like. You look at the facilities they have and what they recruit to. Right. Um, you look at the total buy-in um, from everybody, the whole – buying from everybody that wraps their arms around these programs that help them to be successful yeah. didn't have a lot of that you know um so it, part of it is you know grassroots building it you mm-hmm. know going out and selling vegas and not being afraid to say we're from vegas so you know <laughs> we, we get the town to buy into it get people to, to help uh, support us and give us some resources that maybe the university doesn't have the ability to do so at the time right um and you know, honestly, this is a job that if you said, hey, I'm a ball coach, I'm going to go in and coach ball. <laughs> when I got here, you weren't going to win. And I think a lot of guys didn't win because they weren't ball coaches. They just, that that's what I do, and I'm yeah. not doing the rest. Well, guess what? You're not. You're a fundraiser. You're, uh, you're, you're a counselor. You're a recruiter. You know, you're a community spokesman. I mean, you guys, <laughs> I mean, I've spoken to more Rotary Clubs. I've thrown out the first pitch at um, Boulder City Little League. I've, <laughs> I mean, you name it. you got to go out and you got to grassroot it because, I mean, this is like a, a grassroots political campaign. Yeah. You got to shake everybody's hand. You got to say hi to everybody. You got to get everybody engaged. And it had not been done. So I'm really proud of how we've moved the needle here and made this program relevant. And then really off the field. I mean, there are so many things when you looked at how poorly we were doing academically. Mm-hmm. You look at some of the um, situations we had, um, just some of the culture that was going on here that we needed to change. Yeah. And, you know, we, we've done a really good job with our kids making good quality decisions off the field. We've had the, you know, the, the best academic team that's been around here in years. Um, so I think when you start staffing, those things together along with recruiting guys yeah. are starting to eat right they're doing things right they're, you know you just got guys that are around, all graduating now I mean it's it's a big deal and it'll help us win football games yeah um, yeah that was one thing I hadn't uh, I was hearing about uh, having early practices and how that alone or not that alone but that helped with grades I'd never really thought about yeah you get how that all works. it does it makes a big <laughs> big difference so how so within Vegas as a sports town um, I mean, I guess the answer here is win, but how, how does a UNLV football, if you get start getting it going, how does it, how do you get it to stand out in this landscape where you've got, I mean, obviously there are a lot of natives, but you've got some transplants and, and all of these other things going yeah. on. How do you, how do you stand out? Is it just, is it just winning? Well, that's part of it. You know, and I think what you, people want to see is consistency, yeah. you know, and after we're working towards building a, a consistently competitive team that goes out, you know, and has great years and, you know, gets to the postseason and does that stuff. But some work needed to be done to get there. It yeah. wasn't going to happen overnight. And, I mean, I think that, you know, I think we all realize that. And I think, you know, we've gotten a lot of respect, you know, around the country for how we've moved the needle. Now we got to really get it rolling. But I think with the infrastructure we have, again, recruiting the way we have, we're going to have a chance to win. And, you know, we've got 30, over 30,000 students at this university. 
right. <laughs> you know, we're going to have a stadium that, that's right around the corner from mm-hmm. us. You know, obviously with the facilities being built right now, you know, that's not built from university money. That's built from, you know, local community mm-hmm. money. So right. that's a big, big deal for our community to say, hey, we're going to go ahead and invest in this program. So you see that the one is there. Yeah. Now we got to go ahead and, and give them a reason to get excited. You look at the Golden Knights and how they, I mean, most people that, that were in that stands, they watch hockey for the first time right. this year, you know, <laughs> but it became exciting. They did a great job of marketing. They jumped into the community and they won a bunch of games. They got excited. We go out, we win games, you know, we were making an exciting atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Vegas is a town that loves winners. They will jump on. <laughs> yeah, my, um, my, my co-host, Stephen Godfrey, lives in Nashville, so he experienced the hockey thing last year. Uh, where not- Nashville kind of became a hockey city, and it's it's an easy sport to adopt, I think, if you're at least if you're rooting if you're uh, rooting for a good team. But um, yeah, and and with the the impact of the Raiders, obviously, um, obviously that's a visibility thing. But I mean, ha- has that already begun to? Have you seen a difference in in terms of um, I don't want to say recruiting bump, but at least in terms of of moving the needle as you said it has it's a big part of the conversation piece and for years you know as we're raising money for a facility and we're doing a b c and d or the stadium's a possibility but mm-hmm. hadn't been voted on yet there's a lot of schools you recruit against so just so oh, that's not happening yeah. it's not real <laughs> they're not really doing that well guess what i mean there's it's happening there's two construction sites and they're rolling right now so that's a reality we've got nine commits right now it's more than we've had at this time mm-hmm. we've got some guys committed in positions that are really really important and they're our <laughs> first choice in those spots so i do think it's made a difference in, in the recruiting landscape and then, um, you know, you're, you're obviously you got kind of a marquee quarterback at an end of the year, too, um, which never hurts. But how do you balance um, – trying to figure out the best way. You know, utilize – especially when he's got good legs. How, how do you kind of balance, you know, utilizing his strengths without getting him hurt? Yeah, like, uh, it's a tough deal. You know, we look at these dual-threat quarterbacks, but, you know, at the end of the day, you know, they have to be who they are. And, right. You, know, you, you look at um, – some of these great athletic quarterbacks around the country, and you know they, they, they got to make plays with their legs. Now, it doesn't mean you have to design run them right. too much because I, he's the kind of guy that four or five times a game he'll turn something bad into something great. Right. You know, so organically it'll happen a little bit. <laughs> but now with the RPO game that that, that you know we're, we're using more, a lot of people are using more. There's a lot of possibility for him to throw, hand, and or run. You know, so th- mm-hmm. so he's going to have opportunities to do that. But you want him. Armani's a special guy in space, and he makes defenses account for him, and you know and that, that creates a numbers game for us. And it is interesting, too, when you've got a quarterback like that who can't really, you know, in a practice setting, isn't necessarily going to show you everything that you, you're going to find out in a game. Um, but how, how much of, of last year's um, – how many games did he play? Ten. Was ten. It ten, yeah. Um, I mean, how much of that breakout was um, a surprise to you? How much of it was, like, you knew all along this is what he was capable of? We knew he was capable. You just didn't know how fast it was going to come. Mm-hmm. You know, and obviously, he, you know, there were some games he threw the ball well, some games he struggled. Right. You know, he's still a young guy reading defenses and learning on the run, and that is such a cerebral position. <laughs> I mean, it's I think it's the toughest position in sports. Oh, when yeah. You think of physically what you take on and mentally what you have to do, and, and uh, so it's a lot. So him coming into this year just – he he he's been knocked on his tail. He's been he's won big games. He's lost tight games. I mean he's been through the whole gamut emotionally. Understands the stressors and the uh, stressors and the pressures that you know that go with the position. And he'll be better for it. I mean yeah. the only way to get great at that is by doing it. Right. And uh, so I think last year was invaluable for him and his growth. And he gets to start this year at USC. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny for him because he actually won a high school section championship game oh, nice. in the Coliseum. <laughs> yeah, so he, he's a guy who's played in that place before. He's from there, right down the road nice. um, with a bunch of guys. So, you know, and again, you know, last year he played in the horseshoe. So, I mean, what you know, if you play mm-hmm. against Ohio State in the horseshoe and then you play against, you know, SC in the Coliseum, it, that's what's nice about having a roster that um, has so much experience now. Yeah. Um, back to, to – taking the job versus now what has been the biggest surprise um from when you decided okay this is worth the risk let's do it uh versus now what were some of the things you didn't necessarily expect at the at the start well you know one of the biggest things is the roster management you know when we mm-hmm. got here the numbers were out of whack i mean you had you know four receivers on scholarship you oh, know yeah. you had eight offensive linemen you had and you had like eight nine running backs and you had i mean so the thing that's amazing is how many years it takes to get that right to, right. to have the distribution you need so that you can practice at a high level <laughs> one of the biggest things the last couple of years is we had to service each other so practices are about 25 minutes longer because the only way to get good quality reps and to not you know crush your scout teams is to make sure at the beginning of seven on seven those first 
state reps were good on good. And then, you know, in, in your team oh. sessions, you're doing that. So you're giving rep guys reps that you don't really want to because you're trying to save legs. But right. You don't really have the bodies and the numbers to do it in certain <laughs> positions. So now we go into this season, we have two full scout teams mm-hmm. with, with, with subs coming in and out. And I mean, you just, you run practice better because of that. So um, that, that was one of those deals where, you know, you, you wish there was a quick fix. It's not like, you know, you, you can cut guys and bring new guys in and, mm-hmm. you know, it takes years. You get the amount of kids you can sign and you have to, that's like I was rationing, uh, you know, scholarships <laughs> out the last couple of years. All right, old line, you get four. All right, no, running backs, you get one because we got to balance the numbers and you got to pass up some good guys to do that. But if you don't ever commit to it, you never get yourself out. Out of that hole and we're yeah. out of that hole now what was the scholarship count like when you walked in the door we were over 80 when we first got here okay. but what, what we ended up doing is some of those guys ended up leaving mm-hmm. it, you know we had guys that were i mean academically we were like at a 2-2 our apr was a projected oh, 905 right. we were, so if you weren't going to get it done you weren't going to be here so i yeah. never cut anybody but a lot of guys cut themselves yeah and we got ourselves down to 70 which needed to be done and it's like that old saying you know if you're if you're, if you're not going to take a step back you're probably never going to move forward right. you know and we needed to really look at ourselves and make some tough decisions and uh and we did that and now i think we're starting to see the the, the fruits of that uh of those, those decisions and obviously you had, I mean, you had played uh, and you, I think you had what graduate assistant at the, at the college level, but what's been the biggest, what was the biggest ch- uh, change when it comes to, from a, like, I don't know, a tactical standpoint almost going from high school to college? Well, you know, I'll be honest with you, not much. When you look at how the college games changed, mm-hmm. I would argue that college coaches changed the game of college more than college, right? Yeah. So when you look at, you know, you look at Clemson and when they got Roan, who was their offensive coordinator, right. high school football coach. Yeah. You look at Gus Malzahn, he went right from high school to a coordinator position in the SEC and changed the way college yeah. played. And Art Bryles, you know, I mean, literally one year removed, you know, he, yeah. he was Texas Tech for one year and then jumped to Houston and changed the way the spread offense was run and everything. And so, you know, the no huddle fast pace, the spread, those were all done in high school before they were done in college, you know, so tactically it wasn't a lot, you know, and I think being a head coach, I remember talking to Steve Sarkeesian about it when I was trying to make the decision. He's mm-hmm. like, you know what, you're going to be more prepared to do this than a lot of guys that come in as coordinators from the college <laughs> level because you, you've, you've gone for two. You've made fourth down decisions. Right. You've made you, in crucial game situations on national TV. And yeah. tra- you, you've had to make tough decisions. And he goes, a lot of guys have, you know, they've, they've relied on the decision the head coach makes most of their career. It doesn't mean they can't do it, mm-hmm. but tactically, practice-wise, structure-wise, hasn't been a big difference. I, I, I was always impressed by a guy like Todd Graham who um – I mean, who hired so many high school guys. Well, you know, Todd Graham was a high school guy. Yeah. Todd right, Graham right. coached high school football for many years. And it does kind of reinforce the idea that um, that teaching and development are a big part of it. It's not just specifically tactics and, and what you do. Well, uh, it is. You know, plays. that's one of the things as a high school coach. You really, I mean, it, it's about details, fundamentals, fundamentals, because yep. you're raising them basically from the time they're 14 <laughs> to the time <laughs> right. they're 18, you know. Um, and, and, and that still holds true, you know, in, in college and the pros. You're still working fundamentals. But, um, you know, without that stuff, you know, the tactics don't mean much. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, the tactics are the last uh, piece, I guess. Um, now, you graduated from New Mexico State. Yep. And a lot of your career, there was uh, obviously the California part, but, you know, Las Cruces, El Paso, Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. Uh, you seem to have a type um, in terms of, uh, the t- you know, the, the desert atmosphere or whatnot. and. Yeah. and you also don't seem very, uh, you know, against taking on a pretty hard job, I guess. But uh, but it seems to have worked out well. But all that all that aside, you're I, I heard you're a Raiders fan. I am, and so that's worked out pretty well too. Yeah, my dad was actually an Oakland police officer for 25 nice. years. So um, yeah, we're A's Raiders Warriors. Nice. So, but I mean, that's you know, with the fan hat on for a second, what do you see from, you know, how the Raiders are taking shape over these last couple of years where things seem to be headed as they make this move? Well, it's been fun to watch. You know, I'm still mad about the tuck rule, you know, right, um, right, right. <laughs> they should have another Super Bowl under their belt and Patriots <laughs> shouldn't have gone to one. Uh, but no, it's, uh, I mean, I've been watching them forever. I mm-hmm. mean, Lester Hayes and right, know, right, Tim yeah, Brown yeah. was my hero. I mean, so it's been fun watching them. And obviously, you know, they fell on some hard times for a mm-hmm. while ever since that, that Super Bowl with the Bucks and you know, Gruden, right? And yep. now he's, yep. he's their coach. And it's kind of funny how things evolve. But uh, it's exciting. They've done a really good job of building that organization back up. And, you know, and, and you do. You go through flows. But 
I tell you what, for the city, I'm so excited. I mean, NFL City, that's a big, big deal for, for our whole town. Yeah, and one of the things I, I didn't quite realize how much Las Vegas, I mean, what, two-something million now is the metropolitan. Well, that's one of the deals when we recruit. You know, there's a lot of times people say, well, you know, how do you talk to moms and dads with their kids moving to Vegas? Right. And I said, it's easy. As long as, you know, when a kid comes on a trip, they come by themselves. We're, we're not bringing them in. They got to come with mom and dad. Right, like okay. Right. 16-year-old kid comes home and says, I'm moving <laughs> to Vegas. I don't know. But when they get here and they see the scope of the city and they see there's over two and a half million people mm-hmm. in the greater Las Vegas area and you know you see the amount of parks and churches and you see you know just the vibrance of the business community and the growth of it and you see this university you know most diverse university in the country right. and, you know and the growth that's happening here brand new medical school you see athletic facilities being built and once people come here they realize wow this is an actual city and you know and uh, it's vibrant it, 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 it's a fun place I've got two kids myself one's a senior in high school one's a freshman mm-hmm. so I can speak to raising a family here <laughs> and um, it's a great place yeah it is kind of interesting thinking about it like selling you know the the whole thing but then like also selling the part that doesn't involve you know i'm looking at your window and yeah. seeing M- mgm grand right now um not you know making vegas just that and yeah, making it an actual it, city it, you know what you're totally right and the thing about it is is we don't shy away from that either we talk mm-hmm. about that also hey you got a trillion dollar industry right behind <laughs> you that you can tap into and it's it, and it's globally connected there's a lot of places that are great but vegas is a globally connected network yeah. you know <laughs> they influence you know stuff all over the world so hey if you treat people right you do the right thing you get your degree the internship possibilities here and yeah. you know, the things that you, and you know and the thing about it you think you, know, you look at like you said mgm sitting right there well mm-hmm. guess what right down the street past the airport they've got their corporate offices and people are working oh, yeah. on finances and you know capital <laughs> investments and you know marketing and so you name it there, there's a lot of things that, that, that encompass uh, that entire area and if mom and dad do want to come and visit on home games the airport is right there right there uh, it's a great place to visit a couple times a year yeah I was about to say that I've, I've never seen a, a, a quote-unquote tourism city laid out so perfectly when it comes to being able to get pretty much anywhere within 10 minutes um, I think that's that was pretty much what I had I was aiming for about 20 minutes and it was 18 um, but yeah, I was I was curious your thoughts too about New Mexico State seeing them uh, break through last I year. I tell you what, I was so excited to see them. You know, I mean, it's been uh, you know, Coach Samuels is here with us now. Our mm. defensive line coach right. was the head coach when I was there, right? That's right. Yeah. You know, at the very end of it, and, about uh, that. he had a couple teams that in this day and age would have gone to bowl games, but That's they didn't true, have yeah. enough bowl games at the time. <laughs> so uh, it was exciting to see Coach Martin and what he's done, and you know, they stuck with him, and he did a great job of building that program up. And um, I, I, my phone was blown up during that bowl <laughs> game last year. There's a bunch of buddies there having a good time, and it was great to see the way Cruz has supported it. No, we, we always talk about like eating the whole cow, so to speak, and, and actually not just focusing on Alabama um, until you, until like late in the year when you have to. And the best, the thing we had the most fun with was, you know, getting on, you know, watch ESPN and watching them beat South Carolina or South Alabama and yep. the crowd rushes the field and then the crowd rushes the field at the bowl win and all that. It was, is my, I think my favorite story of last year. So it was good to see that. And it's just good to have a reminder that you can do that. Really. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. you know, that's, you know, we get, you know, and, and I get it, you know, we with the playoff system and all that stuff, and, mm-hmm. but you know, college football is such an exciting sport <laughs> and, and, and you just got to love those Cinderella stories and those great comebacks and New Mexico State. I was proud of them, you know, proud to be an Aggie. Since our interview, UNLV has started the 2018 season 2-2. Two and two. They are 90th in S&P Plus. They have wins over UTEP, easy wins over UTEP in Prairie View, uh, and they lost on the road to USC and Arkansas State. Uh, they are favored in four more games the rest of the way. S&P Plus gives them basically pretty good odds, uh, 60% odds of getting to 6-6 six and six or better and reaching their first bowl in a few years. Um, the run game has been every bit as advertised. Armani Rogers is averaging uh, nine yards per 9.1 yards per non-sack carry. Lexington Thomas had a big run against USC. He's averaging six yards per carry. It's powered a really interesting and fun offense. Passing game is still an issue. Armani Rogers is completing 42% of his passes so far with four interceptions to go with six touchdowns. Uh, but generally speaking, the progress still seems to be there. They have a pretty good shot at getting to six and six or so, continuing their streak of, of improving by one game a year each year uh and uh well i wish them luck the rest of the way see you guys next week